Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And today, in Back to School Month, we are talking about some of the fun things that you can do with your dogs, do stuff with your dogs now that it's back to school time. And I'm being joined by Dr. Gail Watkins and Susan Patterson. Susan is a breeder of Labrador Retrievers, and Gail is a breeder of Golden Retrievers. So we're talking about Retriever Games. Yay! (laughs) Welcome, you guys. Thanks, Laura. Hey, Laura. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, all right. Let's talk about, to start with, you have a puppy, and it's a retriever kind of puppy, or maybe it's just a puppy that likes to retrieve stuff. How... We're going to start with Gail and then we'll move on to Susan. How are we going to get them started retrieving as a goal, as a thing for them to do? So this is, I think, one of the most fun things to do with our puppies. The starting point for me always is find the thing the puppy likes to retrieve. So maybe that's not a ball. Maybe it's a toy. Maybe it's uh, something else other than maybe your shoes and your socks. Don't be doing that. No underwear. No, do not be throwing your bras in them. So find something that the puppy likes to retrieve and start retrieving in a quiet, confined place. So I do hallways, typically with the doors closed, because it's a retrieve, which means it is supposed to come back to you. And a lot of times, if you find something the puppy really enjoys, You're going to throw it, puppy's going to take it, and it's its favorite thing, so it's going to leave. And the goal is to make it coming back fun. I'll give two warnings, and then we'll hear what Susan does. But the things I see is people get retrievers, and at nine weeks, the puppy likes to retrieve, and the people retrieve and retrieve and retrieve and retrieve. And it's a baby puppy. And so it's like okay, this was fun the first time and the second time and the third time, but at the 10th time, it's a baby. It doesn't want to do it. So my guidance is always no more than three retrieves in a session. Some puppies, it's going to be a single retrieve and go do something else and come back to it. That's one. Second thing is that puppy is not bringing that toy back to you. It simply wants to be in your presence with its toy. If the puppy careens back to you and you grab that toy out of its mouth because you're thinking it actually brought it to you, now the puppy's thinking, why would I bring it back to you? Because it's my toy and I want to be with it. You're going to take it away. Exactly. And if it's a hard toy, like a bumper, the plastic dummies that we use, it will hit the back of the puppy's mouth. It will hurt. And puppies one or two times and they'll start saying, I'm not bringing that back. And they either play keep away with you or they simply don't bring it back to you. So when your puppy brings it back, don't touch the thing. Play with the puppy. 
tell the puppy how fabulous it is that the three of you, puppy, you, and toy, are present together. And then 10 or 15 seconds, 30 seconds, then take it out of the puppy's mouth. I would highly recommend you don't wrench the puppy's mouth open and shake the item out. Typically, if you simply pick up a baby puppy, the item will fall out of its mouth. And now you can start the game again for a few times. That's how we do it. I love that. And that is exactly what we do because wire hair pointers retrieve also. They aren't retrievers, but part of their job is retrieving. And I is exactly the same thing. I just play with the puppy until they spit it out of their own accord or I give them a cookie. And so they have to spit it out to get the cookie. That's my favorite. Susan, what do you think? Yeah, I do the same things that Gail does. The difference is I don't use a long hallway. Instead, I encourage them super, super over the top, high value anytime anything is brought to me. Oh, it's the best gift I could have ever gotten. And then I will confess, I might not care if it's a shoe or a sock, (laughs) as long as it's brought to me and not chewed in the corner. Because with, you know, kids and grandkids around, I do have maybe a few extra shoes, but I like something soft. So what I will do is we will do a game because I want it to be a game and I want it to be fun. And that bringing back to me is the biggest thing. So I use anything from a soft, fluffy, fluffy paint roller, which I will use in the avid dog testing that I do with them when they're little, all the way to a, I've got a fuzzy lizard that the dogs seem to like, and I buy it by the dozens. So we keep replacing them, but they love to bring it back. We may do a little game of tug and then pick it up and say, thank you. And again, like Laura, I will do a high value reward, a teeny tiny little piece of chicken. And I say, oh, this is wonderful and give it to them. And we, you know, may toss, but not far away. You know, when I say toss, I am tossing three foot, four foot, remembering they're a little puppy. And they can't see past that point. <laughs> yep, they can't. <laughs> that they can't. You can see the retrieve item go out of their sight. They're like following it with their, and then they just walk away because it just <laughs> went right past their vision. And yeah, they're babies. Oh, it's really interesting. They're babies. And I think that that's super, super important. One of my biggest criteria is remember how old your puppy is and what it can actually do at that point in time. And people often have expectations that their eight, nine-week-old Labrador retriever should be doing a 200-yard blind retrieve. Like, they just don't get it. And it's as if you've asked your six-year-old child to go pass a physics test, okay? We have got to accept and understand, acknowledge, and honor our puppies as they grow and meet them where they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's so critical. I agree. Okay. So now my puppy's six months old and I'm thinking about, you know, I've played with him. We've done all this fun stuff and I'm thinking about maybe I'm going to do something. Maybe I'm going to go to an event. Maybe there's going to be other people and other dogs. Let's talk about some of the events that we can do with our retrieving dogs. So dock diving or most of the registries have hunting tests or field trials, and some of those sorts of things. So again, I'm going to start with Susan this time. 
Susan just had a very, very big success in her breeding program. So we're going to let her start. And Susan, talk to us about hunt tests specifically for retrieving dogs. Well, it actually goes back from the six months where once you've established that this is a game that they really like to play, you have to teach them a couple rules. And I think that we fail our puppies sometimes because we're so excited to take them somewhere that we don't give them the manners to participate. And one of the most important manners that you can teach a puppy is a sit-stay and a place. And that is a critical training for the puppy going to a hunt test. I don't care whether it's a working certificate or a junior hunt test or any other test. They must have manners. And so the foundation of any hunt test is obedience. And it doesn't have to be this harsh obedience. It's just like when we do this, this is what we do. And no, we don't do that. And it's very gentle. It's not harsh, but it's you're expected to sit and expected to have a place. Boundaries. Boundaries, exactly. And especially because we have the best reward in the world. If you sit, you get to retrieve. Yes. If you walk nicely on the leash, yes, you get to retrieve. And so we don't need to be harsh because we control that best reward for, especially if we've built this in our retrievers. And so I totally agree with Susan. The one thing that I'll add to the sit-stay that I find many first-time retriever owners don't realize is they must deliver to hand. And so the vast majority of people want their dogs to drop a toy at their feet so they don't have to reach into the dog's mouth or their kids don't have to reach into their mouths. You don't pass any retriever test that I know of. Any event of any kind. (laughs) If your dog doesn't put that item in your hand. And so I start very, very young with that. And I know there are many training techniques that you can do that require the dog to deliver to hand, but you can start with a baby puppy, just not picking it up off the ground and kicking it with your foot or tugging it. You know, if it's tug toy like the stuffed lizard Susan was talking about, you know, moving it with your foot, anything to get them to pick it up. So you can get your hand under it in time that they're delivering to hand. That has been, for me, so difficult for many, many people because they start allowing their puppy to drop things. And then in the excitement of a hunt test or a working certificate, the dog runs out 50 yards. It goes through cover. It finds the bird. It brings it back four feet from you and it drops it. And you dance around in the line trying to get it to pick it up. And in the dog's mind, they're thinking, girl, didn't I just run out 50 yards in cover and I got it to within four feet of you and you can't reach down and pick this thing up? What is the matter with you? But it's because you're going to fail if they don't pick it up. So that on top of early gentle obedience, I think that is a huge piece of it. I think that is a great one. And how many times have I seen dogs fail even the retrieving portion of pointing breed events where they have to retrieve out of water and they go in, 
they retrieve the thing, they come out, they spit it out on the bank, and they shake. And then they're done. Yeah, they're like, hey, guys, like, I'm, I'm over it. What's your problem? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. And you can understand the dog's perspective. Like, one of us did all the work, but... And now we need to talk about training the handler to get the slimy duck because there's a lot of people who don't understand that hunt tests are done with might be a multiple use duck put in a winger that has been sent out, gotten wet, mouthed by a dog. It may have been used for a couple of tests, frozen, brought back again. I think the biggest thing that I ever accomplished myself was learning how to handle a slimy duck to hand and put it on the duck dryer without gagging. So there are some You can gag, just don't puke, I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, fine. Personal experience. (laughs) Okay. Gloves. Start with gloves. If you're completely grossed (laughs) out, just start with the gloves. (laughs) So, you know, there are some aspects to this, which as much fun as it is to see the joy on your dog's face when they do this, and it is such a bonding experience when my dogs see that canvas bag and they hear the leash and they hear me say load up. They're like, oh, weeha, you know, right. It really makes a big difference. So one of the things I've done when they're little is I do have friends who are hunters. So I have a bag of wings in my freezer and we do fun things. You know, my neighbors think I'm a little crazy because we have a fishing rod with a wing on a string and learning the scent, learning how to track the scent because scent in the grass, scent on the water is so important, not just scent on the air and teaching them that this is really fun and letting them have it and then taking it, you know, retrieving it so that they're not chewing the feathers. That has been a fun Small, short, five-minute exercise that has worked well with my dogs. Can I tell you about when I was a child and my parents raised field trial labs and we had a freezer on the back porch that was just for frozen birds, training birds. And I sent one of my girlfriends out to get something out of the freezer and she went to the upright freezer instead of the chest freezer and I knew she'd gone to the wrong place when I heard her screaming <laughs> hysterically. So some of us who work in the field with our dogs are, as Gail, I'm sure you can attest as well, a little crazy. I want crazy. I was just thinking of my freezer downstairs filled with ducks yes. and pheasants and chucker and pigeons. But you can also use a thing called a doken, which is a duck or pheasant or chucker shaped plastic i mean it's a type of plastic it's not the same yeah i know it's not the same but if that's what you're starting with start there because you can scent it you can purchase duck scent you can purchase pheasant scent you can get wings from Gun Dog Supply. You can order them online. You can get all of that and start getting your dog accustomed to the odor, the shape, because the weight. Yeah, the weight. They and they weight. have, you know, the head flops and things like that. Legs flail. So if you're a little unsure about birds and it can be difficult to get birds until you're in the system Dokens are not a bad starting place and get some scent so that your dog is beginning to get accustomed to, as Susan was saying, finding it, tracking it, 
looking for the odor on water and things like that. And then you can go to a hunt test. Excellent. Okay. So we're going to use the AKC for right now, although there are a number of organizations, Hunting Retriever Club, National, what is it? North American Hunting Retriever Association. Hunting Retriever Association. Yes. UKC has stuff, all that. Everybody has something for our retrievers in terms of competition. But in the AKC system, the hunt test is a non-competitive event and has three levels, junior, senior, and master, master being the highest and the most difficult. And then they also have what is called a field trial, which is a competitive event, and you can earn a championship in the field trial. So I'm going to have Gail speak to this one because you have some. I have QA2 ducks. Okay. Okay. So qualified all age. Yes. So field trials, there are many, many classes in field trials, but typically they run derby, which is for dogs that are two years and younger. All of the retrieves in derby are retrieves the dog sees fall. Now, some of them are pretty long, but there's also what are known as blind retrieves where the dog has no visibility. You know, say the guy in the next field shot the bird or something and the dog never saw it come down and you can direct it to it. But in Derby, they're all what are called marked retrieves. Still big, but marked retrieves. Then there's the qualifying stake, which is typically run. There's now owner handler quals. Oh, interesting. That's an addition since I was involved in this sport in the 70s. Well, the sport has evolved into a predominantly professional handler sport at the particularly field trials at the higher levels. And so these owner handler quals are fabulous because it's not pros, it's just you and your dog and they're wonderful. Then there's the amateur stake in field trials. Amateur stakes, pros can't handle your dog in those. So again, you're sort of competing against other owner handlers. Often those dogs are pro trained though. So there's no slackers in retriever field trials. No. And then there's the open stake. And the open stake, everything's off. I mean, they're big. They're amazing retrieves and blinds and complex things. And you could be in there with the national field champion. He could be competing with you or she could be competing with you. And then these professional trainers and owner handlers and younger dogs that are coming up. There are other stakes, but those are the four that are typically run at most field trials. Field trials are extremely competitive in the retriever world. It's really pretty remarkable how much competition there is in these stakes. Pretty expensive sport, I would say. Hunt tests are more for the likes right. of you and I. But yes. If you ever have the chance to go to a field trial, you're watching the Olympics of the retriever world, especially the open stake. Those dogs are just phenomenal, phenomenal. And the relationship with their handlers. The connection, like when it's amazing, you're 300 yards away and you're giving your dog a hand signal to go to the left to find this down duck. Yeah, exactly. They earn points, as you said, and so you can get an amateur field champion 
if you get, I believe, 10 points from the amateur stake, you have to have a win. So you have to have a blue ribbon and an all breed stake. And then you can get a field champion, which is the ultimate field championship. And that comes either from amateur open and you have to have 15 points and a win as well. And then, of course, there's national level. You can be the national field champion or the national amateur. There's only one of those a year. So those are a very select bunch. Those are very special. Very special. Susan, I want to have you talk for a minute about hunt test in terms of not just that it's you and your dog and less professional and more owner handled, but also the perspective. And we've touched on this other times in other venues, but let's just kind of take a shine at the concept of dual purpose dogs. So like a show dog that also wants to compete as a hunt test dog. Okay. Well, I'll just kind of run you through the Reader's Digest version. I have a six-year-old. Her name is Fenwick's E. Claire, Claire for short. That was a food litter in case you didn't gather from her name. And it is challenging to put titles on both ends of the dog because you are continuously pulling it into one venue and another. And it is especially challenging when you have a female because you are still looking at breeding. You cannot run a hunt test when she is in season, but you can show her when she's in season, which is interesting. So you've got to be looking at all of that. When I started with Claire, I started her very young. And at six months old, I took her to my local breed club, which has a beginner hunt test training. So there was about eight of us with our fresh puppies, and we learned what to do with them to start them on their way to the, we did working certificates. That was what our goal was. And again, as Gail said, with the field, everything that they retrieved, they saw because they are not old enough to really process what do they want from me when they're blowing this whistle and throwing their hands in the air and what the hell's going on. And I will tell you, Claire broke a number of times. And by breaking, that means that she got up from a sit position behind the blind, decided it was her turn to get the bird, not her brother's, and away she went. So you learn a lot of different things. But the big thing there was companionship, people to train with, people to work with. And it was a big sense of encouragement of, you can do this. And you can see the dogs who have promise and the dogs who might need a little more encouragement. Doesn't mean they're not going to get it. It just means that every dog, like every person, has a different personality. I then started doing a little more field work with her. And field work is a matter of time. I ended up taking her to a trainer in Illinois who I trusted immensely with my dogs. And that was very important to me that I was being trained, they were being trained, and then I could go off and she was doing well. She finished her junior hunter, came back, had a litter of puppies, went out for senior, the same thing. We did really well. And candidly, until we hit master hunter, she failed more than she passed. We had a real challenge and brought her back home to breed her. But in the meantime, we started showing her. And that's a different sort of competition. She was a little bored 
candidly, where's the bird? Damn it. What do you mean? We're here without a wing. You know, I have been down to take a Columber Spaniel in the ring with a bird wing in my pocket. Yes, I have. Yes, I've been known to do wings. Yeah, wings might be in my pocket when she was being shown. And so that did make a difference. So that she took longer to finish her titles because she was female. And I took time out for reproductive for mom duties, whereas her brother finished his Master Hunter at two years old. And that was the Reader's Digest of what it takes. But it is, I will tell you, the entry to a confirmation show is $35. The entry for a hunt test is between $75 and $125. And that doesn't include any pro time if you need it. It does not include the training I haven't yet shown my husband that checkbook. You know, we're just going to hide that somewhere in the Some deep, deep. of us <laughs> find it better to just not talk about that. Yeah. So, okay, let's close out then. These are amazingly fun things to do with our dogs who, in some cases, were bred and designed specifically to do these retriever type tasks. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you can do with your dog that is a retriever or likes to retrieve. That are still events, still sort of competitive, but are way more on the fun side. So I'm thinking frisbee. I'm thinking dock diving. I'm thinking, what's that one where they run down to the end of the thing and jump the jumps? Oh, fly ball? Fly ball. That one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. So there's three fun things that you can do with your dog. Fly ball, dock diving, and frisbee competitions that are all about them catching, retrieving, bringing back, doing all the things with retrieving stuff, but don't involve slimy birds and a billion dollars. So let's talk about those a little bit. What do we know about those? Are we going to do the same basic types of training to do those events and then just transition it to not a slimy dock? Or what are we doing? All of those focus pretty heavily on that retrieve. In those cases, the dog actually doesn't have to retrieve to hand. So if you blew that part early on and you don't want to try and you know, deal with that with your dog, those sports are good. I'm a fan of dock diving. Flyball, I like. It's loud, but I like it. If you haven't been to a flyball tournament, they're pretty loud, but it is a fun sport. I'm not as big a fan for disc dog with retrievers because... They are heavier dogs than, say, a border collie. And so much of that is about the arabesqueness of flying through the air. really (laughs) impassioned retrievers are going to do what they need to to get that frisbee, not thinking about how they're going to land. And so I always worry about cruciate tears and injuries and things like Mm. that. But dock diving, fabulous. You have to teach your dog to swim, but it's a retriever. Usually that's it's a retriever. It should yeah, swim. Yeah, <laughs> it's not usually an issue. And there's tons of dock diving organizations mm-hmm. that have intros at their events. And you don't have to be purebred. Anybody can do that. Anybody dock can do it. So you can just look for an event near you. And usually you can go and do an intro that morning. It usually will say on the premium list. Yeah. And the same with flyball. I think that flyball is definitely and disc dog both open to any dog. any dog. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So those are plenty fun. I think those are fun. Susan, what are your thoughts on that? I love them. And I have dogs who make what are called dramatic water entries. 
in their hunt tests. And so dock diving is high. Now, I will tell you, I have not done it aside from the intro, but it's next on the list because, you know, I'm taking a dog who's six and I expect to have 10 more fun years with her. What could she do next? And I think that that's so much fun. But like Gail alluded to, golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers, I'm very careful till their growth plates are closed the first 18 months of their life because their heart is bigger than their joints. And the ACLs, any injuries, their heart is going to overcome and they will want to do more than they are structurally capable of. And you're going to end up having a challenge there that you might not need. So I would rather let them grow up a little bit and do the baby games. And so I see dock diving as a really fun thing that they could do. And it involves water and a bumper. I mean, shoot, what more could you ask for? How much more fun could it be? Well, and I think the important part, once again, going back to our introduction, we're going back to school. Hopefully we're going back to school. We have time. We want to spend time with our dogs. Our dogs are going to go back to school. Here's some of the things that we can do with our dogs. And all of them involve the best stuff. Time spent with your dog. The dog gets to do what it wants to do. And it gets to do it with you. And maybe you make new friends or find a new hobby in the process. Yeah, the community of people who do this is pretty amazing. I placed a puppy during COVID with a family who has a 15-year-old who wasn't sure what she was going to do during COVID. Well, by God, she put a junior hunter owner handle on the dog oh with help. The 15-year-old girl? 15-year-old girl. So in her college application, it says, yeah, I was captain of the cheerleading squad. And I put a junior hunter on my dog. So, you know, that's a double bonus in my book. I like it. I like it. Excellent. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining us as always here on the Good Dog Pod. I just love having time with you. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Laura. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com slash join. That is g-o-o-d-d-o-g dot com slash join or click the link in the show notes.